Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick, co-host of the 5 Reasons Sports Podcast and co-founder of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Now, we've had two watch parties so far. They've both been huge successes, but we did not expect this. We did not expect the Miami Dolphins to be 3-0 and going into their fourth game and to be two full games ahead of the New England Patriots before a 1 o'clock tilt up in New England. But that is the case, and we're going to be at Texas Roadhouse in Miramar. That's off of I-75, just west of I-75 on Miramar Parkway. We had our first watch party there. It was a huge success. We're going to have the outside bar again. We'll have food specials. We'll have drink specials. We've got giveaways, including $30 Texas Roadhouse certificates, and we actually now have some Five Reason Sports hats, among other things, that we're going to be giving away. So come out around noon. Come hang out with us before the game starts. We'll have the game on the televisions outside, and we'll have a bunch of hosts from all of our podcasts out there. So again, Texas Roadhouse, this is this Sunday coming up on September 30th. Dolphins Patriots, game starts at 1. We'll be out there at 12 sharp. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. Welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host this week, Chris Kaufman. I'm here, as always, with Alf Artiaga, and not always with Simon Clancy, but he is here today. We did record one uh, I mean- days ago. I would just like to say, dear listener, I was there the other day, but these two morons fucked it up. So that is not true. The, no, well, you were one there. of you fucked that it up anyway. <laughs> well, I'm not responsible for recording your your voice. My computer is. <laughs> yeah, see, a bad workman always blames his tools. <laughs> and I, I kept listening to it. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. I'm like, oh, what, what, what is that again? And I mean, I gave so much good sh- good shit in that, and, and yes. just, it just got ruined. yes. And let me tell and let me tell the listeners he had a very interesting he had a very interesting game ball that he gave out. He gave it out to Kenyon Drake, and we couldn't say it on the pod because he wasn't there, of course. But he gave it out to Kenyon Drake for his spectacular work in pass blocking. Which, if you watch that game against the Raiders, mm. he did a great job. And also, and he I also gave nailed last night's lottery ticket numbers i mean it was exactly and you fuckers missed it because these clowns couldn't fucking record it yeah, it, was, it was crazy how we've been this week boys good three well, and not all of us have been part of a stabbing on a train well i wasn't on the train it was around the train i was i played it cool you played it cool you know. but you were not of course i did the stabber or the stabby I was neither, fortunately. I, I doubt I'd have rushed back to do an NFL podcast if I had been the stabber, and really? especially if I'd been the stabby. I'd probably have just gone to hospital, frankly, and tried to save my life. I could imagine sitting in the back of the ambulance going, can you just drop me off home first because I've got to do three yards per carry and then I can go and get stitched up. You know, you've got to have loyalty, Simon. You've got to be a team player. Commitment to the cause, commitment to cause, to the cause Chris. That's what I'm all about. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. no, no I in team. 
But there is a you. But there is a you in cunt. There is one in pain. <laughs> there is one in hospital. <laughs> there is very true. Well, to bring it back to to football. Uh, that again, huh? Yeah, we saw the Steelers. We saw the Steelers play this week, and that begs the question: Besides the Kansas City Chiefs, who is good in the AFC? Mm. First, you, Simon. My mate Pete Bukowski, who used to work for Sports Illustrated and now does works for all sorts of different organizations as a freelancer, did this thing this evening about um, best teams in the league. And he had the Rams at number one. So mm. essentially, it's the best teams in football right now. Number one, the LA Rams. Yeah. So the, the second section was legit playoff teams with a chance to contend for the conference championship, of which there were 11 teams subsequent to that can you guess the 11 that he listed and this is just one person's opinion this is not fact and before everybody's fucking starts tweeting him and further right. question were 10 of them in the nfc only five were in the nfc okay, one, so, so he was two, careful about three, doing six four, afc six nfc five. i could guess them all six afc yeah go on then do it okay eagles three okay vikings nine okay uh the chiefs are obvious uh, six. Patriots. Seven. Okay. Now, you want me to say Packers, but I won't. I'm going to say Bears. He went off the board with that one. No, he had Bears at. He had Bears in the penultimate section called Season Isn't Over, but Teetering on the Brink. <laughs> They're two and one. <laughs> I know. But his, his argument was that, well, his argument was that Mitch Trubisky is really bad, which he is, so... Christ, imagine okay. they were one and two. <laughs> okay, so obviously the Jaguars the Jaguars are in there, obviously. Ten. And, of course, he's going to put the Steelers in there because, you know, it's the Steelers. Incredibly, two. Oh, my God. Okay, that's wrong. I mean, I took him up on that. Yeah, it's totally wrong. That's, that's Yeah. You're missing five. Who did you say, Chris? Panthers and Saints. Panthers at 12, Saints at four. I'm going to say that he put the Dolphins in there. No. no, 19. Oh, Jesus. We're at 3-0. and You got to be Baltimore. Baltimore at five. Yeah. Which is crazy. So two more teams, one from the – both from the NFC. Okay. No, one from okay. the NFC, one from the AFC. Well, Tampa Bay, we haven't named them yet, but they've been like – they billion points. 15. And, I mean, they okay. were just oh, – we're, Oh, we're missing like, one two. obvious one, the Falcons. The Falcons, Eight. We're missing so one team three, from the AFC. out of the NFC South. Yeah. So it's the Chargers then. Yeah. The Chargers yeah. at 11, yeah. That's the top So he's 12. got three out of the NFC South and not the yeah. one that's two and one and only their one loss was by like a field goal on Monday Night Football. Is like came down to exactly. a Exactly. Miami are in the ignominious position of being ranked behind Dallas, <laughs> Seattle, and Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, Washington at least are two and one. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to stick good. on this too long, but I do think people are sleeping a little bit too much on the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they lost this weekend, but it was on the road in Carolina, and Carolina is a good team. Um, you know, otherwise they beat Baltimore and look good in their first, look pretty good in their first week too. I I don't know. I th I think people are giving them no. I thought they played pretty well. Uh, I know they were beaten by 10 points, but they weren't outclassed at any point by Carolina. Right. I thought exactly. they played it tough. Uh, they, there's, that's a good team. That Bengals team is a good team, and they're yeah, good across the board. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not an Andy Dalton fan, but 
you know, Gio Bernard's done well in place of Joe Mixon. The offensive line is okay. The receivers are really – Tyler Boyd looks really good. Eifert is healthy. AJ Green, obviously. Defensively, they can rush the passer. Carl Lawson is playing really well. Geno Atkins looks like the second coming of Geno Atkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's <laughs> playing brilliantly. Yes. And, you know, Je- Jesse Bates is playing great. Single high free yeah. safety and, and allowing yeah. them to play – to play coverage on the uh, on the boundary, and uh, they don't look stiff. In the, Georgia Loka's gone. They don't look stiff in the secondary, and they've got some young linebackers as well who are playing really well. I, I, they're a good team, the Bengals. They look a lot like they did in 2015 when they were 12 and four. I mean that, and I, that was Andy Dalton. I mean, and we have our nets with them, but they still made 12 and four with him. Um, well, Simon, before you tell everybody about Bet DSI. Let me take this moment to tell everybody that there will be a watch party this weekend at the Texas Roadhouse, 3241 Southwest 160th Avenue in Miramar. You could come watch the Dolphins beat the Patriots and watch me drink beer. I mean, that's literally it. I mean, could, could, do you think Bet DSI could do a bet on how many beers you'll drink? Well, I'll, I'll bet it on my own <laughs> and retire. What, what, what's the over-under? Okay, the over-under is, you know, I'm on, you know, Let's say let's say twelve. I think twelve is a good number. Remember, it's only from one 12. to four, so it's going to be hard for me to drink twelve. So okay, it's going to be from one to four. So make the over under eight. And what are we saying here? Twelve what? By the way, is this like twelve bottles or twelve? Yeah, twelve like bottles. Sips? Twelve, 12 mm-hmm. bottles of twelve ounce beers. I would probably be dead. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't think I could drink twelve bottles in one sitting. Well, I could drink twenty four so- in a sitting. And certainly not get behind the wheel of a car like you will. I mean, I mean, get a taxi home. <laughs> I, ha- I have a chauffeur. So. Oh, Mrs. Mm. Artiaga steps yeah. to the restaurant. <laughs> By the way, I've got, I've, I've got a quick question because I know all our friends uh, across the, uh, I know our friends across the Five Reasons Sports Network listen to the show because we listen to different shows. So good afternoon, good evening, good morning to OJ McDuffie if you're listening and to Richmond Webb. Hello, sir. Yeah. But I just want to know whether or not, and I just want to put a message out there, whether or not the Bullscast boys have cleaned one of their flats yet and wiped down some of those surfaces. Because I'm intrigued to know whether or not that cap sick has been, has been wiped up, frankly. And I think it's something that the nation needs to know. The world needs to know, essentially. Has Slim cleaned up his flat enough that he would feel happy if a prostitute... <laughs> I don't even, can't even believe we're going to say this out loud. That a <laughs> prostitute would be happy to come round. <laughs> Let me ask him. I gotta ask Slim right now in real time. And we'll Brilliant. Do it. No Do it. Because uh, he oh, is, I'm I'm gonna say no. Of course. Dedicated as a as a crack journalist who breaks news, as we've uh, we've seen so already. Today can, with, can we just can we also just establish because if if people don't really know who we're talking about, and you've just called him a crack journalist, and I've just <laughs> said he'd have to have prostitutes around his house. Does that mean that he's a journalist? who looks at arse cracks, is it a journalist who looks at crack the drug or is it a journalist who's just really good? Because I think the country needs to know, especially <laughs> if it's Ag. Probably both. I think that's a I mean, does he like there. wander, does he wander around looking as blokes bend over to pick up apples off the floor and then their ass sort of sticks out the top of their trousers and he's like, yep, got that crack journalist. Is he that <laughs> kind of guy? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as so I you wait for now to, to ask. Yeah, I'm waiting for Slim to answer my question, which is pretty odd because they're talking Jimmy Butler trade right now. So mm, of course, I put in the question in there, and I'll wait for it as soon as do I get it answered. 
I will let you know. There will be a bet on that as well. And speaking of bets, the NFL and NCAA seasons are clearly underway. Big games in college football this weekend. Penn State, Ohio State, Stanford, Notre Dame. So it's time to take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with BetDSI.com, our faithful sponsor. They are celebrating 20 years online and have built an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your winnings. They have an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anytime, anywhere. To help you get started with some extra bang for your bucks, BetDSI is offering, or pounds, or whatever you use, euros, whatever, is offering double your money on your first deposit. That's right, deposit now to start winning and get up to $2,500 free. So double your money from the get-go. When it comes to football, BetDSI has every wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it. So the NFL, the NCAA, Major League Baseball, Slim Tidying Up is Flat, UFC, the Premier League, eSports, political stuff. If you saw the President Trump press conference this afternoon, I'm sure you'd get a bet on some of the crazy shit he came out with. You know you're ready to win, so join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's Y-A-R-D-S, YARDS. You might not be able to understand my accent. It's called English. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid cold, hard cash. Be in it to win it and enjoy the games that much more when you play with BetDSI.com. Boys, we have signed new players. We have lost players. Mr. Tanner McAvoy, uh, our Crash Jensen, has been cut from the team. William Hayes has unfortunately gone on to IR. And Coach Gaze gave a press conference earlier in the week where he was clearly very unhappy about the circumstance with, with which he tore his ACL, um, trying to avoid landing on Derek Carr, thanks to this ridiculous new rule that protects quarterbacks uh, around the NFL. We have signed two players. Um, or we've signed one player and brought uh, another player, Jonathan Woodard, who we talked about quite a lot in the preseason and, uh, and were fairly, fairly voluminous in that. Certainly Chris was in his praise for, for his talents, the fact that he can play inside, outside. And this will be his first NFL game and he's expected to be the fourth defensive end. And then Martrell Spate, a linebacker who played and started, I think, six games last season for Washington, um, who was a bit of a thumper, Alf tells us. Uh, he's had a look at him. Um, and we'll probably sit in behind Stefan Anthony, uh, Chase Allen kind of hurting this week. Um, Mike Hull obviously still on IR for the first, uh, for what, three more games of the season. So, uh, you know, there are some moves to be made. The Dolphins are still carrying nine quarterbacks. I think it's now up to nine, is it? Maybe it's 10. I've lost count. We've probably signed at least two more quarterbacks this week. Um, it's, it's fantastic to watch them wandering around aimlessly on the sideline, holding clipboards. It's just like, oh, look, there's another, oh, there's another quarterback. Oh, there's another quarterback there. I forgot we even had him. I'm expecting. I'm half expecting Rich Gannon, who's a co-commentator this week for CBS, to pop down on the sideline, stick a uniform. Step down and hold this, please. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, fuck it. We've got most other quarterbacks <laughs> left in America, so we might as well sign him up. I'm a bit more concerned about the other news of the week, which were which came out of practice today. Some mixed reports about Rashad Jones. Obviously, missed last week's game with a shoulder injury. Uh, mm. Reported by Barry Jackson, uh, the excellent Barry Jackson, the excellent Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald that his status was up in the air. I was told that he was riding the bike for a portion of today, not particularly involved in practice, had a bit of a walk around in terms of um, some walkthrough stuff. Sparry said that he, Rashad, had said to him afterwards in the locker room, he wasn't sure whether or not he'd be able to play at the weekend, which, despite the fact that the, the boys generally played well on Sunday, still you still want your kind of equal first best defensive player out there, don't you? It is a concern that Rashad Jones might not be playing in what really is a massively important game for the Dolphins, isn't it? Because not only is it the Patriots, it's the opportunity to go three and a half games up on New England 
this early in the season. That's uh, that's a big game in anybody's book. I think he's probably going to play. I mean, I, I hear good things about him playing this, but certainly today gives you a little pause because you don't, you know, it's sort of like a fly in the ointment. You think you think everything's all right, and then all of a sudden he's telling people, you know, no, um, I, I don't know that I'll be playing or not uh, this week. There was a lot of confusion around whether they were going to sign Cameron Malveaux. Uh, they ended up signing Jonathan Woodard. Um, I I like that better than Malvo personally. I know that that um, Simon and uh, and Alf, you guys like Malvo a little bit more too uh, during training camp and and preseason and whatnot. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him, but um, but Woodard is a is a good signing to me. He's a very big body, uh, six foot six, two hundred seventy one pounds. He made a lot of plays against the run uh in preseason and that's exactly what they're missing with William Hayes so and that's what you want I mean because that's what he he can he comes in and he makes an immediate impact against the run William Hayes does and it's interesting as well you, you you say that because we brought obviously brought in Coney Ely and um Robert Ayers for workouts but in terms of the Patriots and running the ball Rex Burkhead went on to IR today which is he's right. their leading rusher that's a that's that's a big, big news. Obviously, Sony Michelle has really not, you know, all three of us love Sony Michelle coming mm. out of Georgia. He's really not got up to speed, missed almost all of training camp with injuries, just looked off the pace against Detroit mm-hmm. um, on Sunday night uh, in the Patriots' second straight defeat. So, you know, I, I suspect given their, their dearth of, um, of talent at wide receiver, they are going to try and establish the run, especially with Hayes out. But like you say, Chris, Woodard brings that element where he can step in and he's not going to be William Hayes, but he certainly knows how to, to work at rundown, doesn't he? Yeah, I think, I think that's, what, that's, that's what you have to look at. I mean, you have to make sure that the Patriots don't get their running game started finally, you know, jump-started against the Miami Dolphins because that'll make things a hell of a lot easier for Tom Brady. And, um, and so you don't want that to happen. The, the Detroit Lions, obviously – took away the run and took away Rob Gronkowski and, uh, and Brady was left with, you know, some bad choices and that, and you don't want, you don't want Miami to, you know, not take away the run all of a sudden, and then you're not able to reproduce what they did. I thought it was a, it was the right choice at defensive end. We'll see how it goes um, going forward, whether, you know, he ends up popped back onto the practice squad and, you know, maybe Malvell gets brought on. Um, but the big one to watch is, is really Rashad Jones. I mean, that's that's the – I think Mika Fitzpatrick came on and played safety, and he was all right, but he wasn't the player that we were talking about in the first two games. No, um, he wasn't. And, and in the first two games, he was playing that slot corner role that really made him famous at Alabama. And, um, and, and I wonder, you know, I wonder if that had something to do – I, ultimately, I do think he's going to be playing safety for Miami. But right now, as a rookie, you know, even we talk about how good he is and film work and, and how studious he is and how he stays extra and stuff like that. But ultimately, he's still a rookie. So um, I still want him playing positions that are more comfortable for him because you want him to make an impact. It's hard to make an impact in the NFL. It's hard to really be good. Um, so I want him to be good. I want him to be awesome. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully Rashad is back so we can get the secondary back to the the way it was yeah we've seen it before with, with David Irving of Dallas Cowboys before he had his little run-ins with substance abuse guys can't come out of nowhere and contribute and in David Irving's case contribute big and we did like Woodard but I'm kind of interested in this Martrell Spate guy that we just signed mm-hmm. he's played he's a real pro he's played 30 games 
played 15 last year, had 69 tackles. He started six games, broke up two passes, had a fumble recovery. If you watch him play, and I have, I'm not going to say that I've sat here and poured over his film. I've watched some highlights. I watched a little bit of his preseason game against the Packers, and he hits. He runs. He hits. He's a guy that will play hard, will run to the ball, and will deliver a blow. And if you've seen any of his videos online of him firing up the, the linebacking core when he was with the Washington Redskins, he's kind of a wild man. So I think this is more driven by Rizzi and maybe stepping into that Chase Allen role of the, the big linebacker in in our run defense. He was also considered a leader in Washington in terms of a locker room mm. leader, a good mm-hmm. guy. There's a very, very interesting story about him. Um, traveling to see a kind of a, a Redskin, a Washington fan who was a, a cancer sufferer and um, a kind of a teenage kid and spending a lot of time with him and kind of just trying to make the, uh, this guy had terminal cancer and just trying to make the last days of this kid's life happy. And, you know, stories like that make you realize that, you know, whilst there's a lot of shitty human beings out there, there's good guys as well. He, he strikes me as one of those. So interesting cat. And it also begs the question, uh, you know, what's wrong with Chase Allen? Because this looks more like a long-term fix. So is Chase Allen more injured than they're letting on? I don't know if I would call it a long-term fix, to be honest. Um, I think that... Well, uh, well, this is a pro. Yeah, he's a pro, but there there are a lot. I mean, that linebacker position is is filled with a lot of pros. There are guys, you know, right right now just sitting waiting for a phone call that have actually played um and and played you know many games and he's one of them uh, i think in 2017 uh he did a pretty good job in particularly in run stoppage um and that was that was what um that was what he was known for he had the he had the highest run stop or run stop percentage in um in pro football focus uh in among inside linebackers in 2017 uh so, you know, he's he's a good player, but at the same time, I think this has to do with Chase Allen's injury, and that's because they were using Chase Allen as sort of a shot in the arm for the run defense. And mm-hmm. so um, so I think that, you know, with him being out, they just need it. And in the meantime, you know, they'll they'll work him on special teams and see what he has to offer because they gotta they gotta continue to make their special teams work. And so um so I think I think that's how to look at it. I, I don't necessarily see him as this isn't like when they sent a fifth round pick for Stephen Anthony and now they're, you know, they're on the hook with Stephen Anthony and have him here for a couple of years because they sent that fifth round pick. I mean, one thing that he's not is a, is a cover guy. I mean, he, look, he does look lost yeah. in coverage. I know that was one of the reasons why right. Redskins ended up cutting him. He tried to replace Will Compton and just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And the, early in the season, the Panthers just essentially just carved him out when he was on the field mm-hmm. in terms of his inability to cover. So, you know, that, that would be a major concern. And you know that when he gets on the field, you know, if he gets on the field on Sunday, you know, Tom Brady is going to, you know, they're going to, Josh McDaniels will be telling Tom Brady that, you know, this guy can't cover. So, for, you know, I, I think it's fairly unlikely he's going to be finding himself in those sorts of situations. But whilst he's very good going forwards, downhill, playing the run, as Chris said, you really don't want him, you know, in any sort of coverage situation because that's really where we could, could go tits up. But keep in mind that he played, or, or actually uh, Miami has played a couple of times now in the last couple of weeks. Um, they've played a middle, like Chase Allen at middle linebacker, or uh, sometimes Raekwon McMillan, but Chase Allen with Raekwon McMillan and with Kiko Alonso. Um, and they've had a middle linebacker playing that sort of nosebacker role. 
uh, with the uh, the defensive line split out wide and basically a five man front with the um, the middle linebacker playing like a nose. Um, if you know your you know history of three four defense, the um, the the nose tackle was originally uh, a linebacker, you know, playing over the the nose. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And they they've been working that. They've been doing that in order to to give them a little help against the run and this is exactly if they're if they're looking to explore that further and um and maybe use it a couple more times this is a guy that you can plug right into that role that didn't work very well at the weekend did it i mean with chase allen playing over the, the there's, there's some very interesting all 22 clips of chase allen getting absolutely obliterated over the nose <laughs> i think there was yes. one i think there was one or two plays where it didn't work but i didn't really see it being chase i mean there were other plays where chase allen didn't work so well um where he wasn't played and lined up in this position um but the the ones where he was lined up as like a nosebacker and when Raekwon was lined up as a, no ba- a nosebacker, um, I thought that those plays worked or at least that part of the play worked and maybe on one of the plays in particular, it broke down for a different reason. But um, I think it might be something that they want to try. Well, the injuries didn't stop right there. Uh, we're also losing A.J. Derby for the foreseeable future and they're replacing him with Nick O'Leary. He played at Florida State. Simon, you should have the front page on this guy. Yeah, he's Jack Nicholas's grandson, uh, the golfer. Um, and, I mean, he is an undersized tight end, isn't he, Chris? I mean, he's not the, he's not the biggest. He's not the fastest. Mm. What he is is bright, and he understands. I mean, certainly that was the, the talk from the guys that I know, that people like Wayne McGahee and especially Doc Staples at, at Florida State, that, you know, he was well-liked and he was very bright. He picked up. You know, he picked up the system quickly, um, both when he came to Florida State and indeed in the NFL. I just think he's been held back by his kind of athletic limitations. I think that's probably fair to say. You know, he's not, you know, he's not, this is not Rob Gronkowski we're talking about in terms of, you know, he's six foot three. I think he was probably about 245 and I suspect he's probably up to about, I don't know, the mid 250s at this stage. But he's not a physically, he's kind of a throwback, isn't he really? He's not Mm -hmm. a... You know, he's not a run-fast, jump-high kind of kid, I don't think. You know, he was really well-respected at Florida State. I think he was an academic All-American at FSU as well. So, you know, you're talking about a bright kid who who actually was a a bit of a safety valve for Jameis Winston during that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, did he win the Mackey? I mean, he might even have won the Mackey Award. Did he win the Mackey? He won the Mackey Award in 2014. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I mean, he, look, he's a good... He always displayed good hands he knew in it you know he knows where to sit down and certainly at the college football level and certainly in the ACC you know against teams like Wake Forest and Duke and you know he he know understands dead areas and zones and safe hands and that kind of thing but he is a you know let's I think it's fair that he's limited I think limited physically and athletically he kind of reminds me a bit more of an h-back kind of guy rather than a pure tight end oh yeah he's definitely not. he's definitely more of an h-back and f or an f player um yeah. and I think, I, that, I think that's what they need though because yeah they, no, absolutely without marquise absolutely yeah, exactly think about what they lost with marquise gray and then think about the six foot three, two hundred fifty two pound Nick O'Leary, and what he's likely to do for the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy that, despite his athletic limitations, won the Mackey Award. This is a guy that became, you know, a leader on his team. This is a guy who um, who was one of the best run blockers, you know, for whatever Pro Football Focus grades are worth. Um, in twenty sixteen, he was one of the best run blockers out there among tight ends. Uh, you gotta 
you got to get a guy who's going to come in there and take care of those things first, because without those things, you don't even get a chance to work on to, to let the athleticism shine or let the other skills shine. And one question for yeah. you, Simon, before we go to break, does this also mean since AJ Derby is out that Mike Gusecki's role increases in this offense? I mean, I, it kind of has to, doesn't it? I mean, it's interesting mm-hmm. that Gase spoke today and said that, you know, he'd finally seen, not receiving stuff, but he'd seen toughness, the toughness mm-hmm. that he was expecting from Jasicki uh, and hadn't been there in the first couple of weeks. He said, finally started to emerge. And actually, he was effusive in his praise for Durham, Smart, uh, Durham Smith. But he said, you know, Jasicki has kind of come along a, a little bit slower and, and that kind of thing. But it was good to see him, you know, knuckling down with some of the tough part of the game that we've really tried to, to get out of him. But yes, absolutely, he will. My concern is obviously, as I've talked about, rookie tight ends are a big concern for me just because there's so much to pick up in terms of both being an inline blocker, in terms of knowing where you're supposed to be, in terms of positioning and blocking, that kind of thing, uh, and then running routes. One other thing before we go, actually, before we move on, I just wanted to, uh, about Jasicki, actually, I don't know if you saw um, and kind of gave a, a sort of close-up of the um, uh, of the uh, Albert Wilson touchdown pass to Jakeem Grant, but actually it was, um, uh, and you know how the funky lineup was with, with Frank Gore in the backfield and then Jakeem sort of, um, Jakeem sort of moved into the backfield, then ran what was essentially a wheel route. Did you see who was mm. the t- uh, the, who was blocking the defensive end on the perimeter? That essentially, and I think it was—I don't even know who the defensive end was actually—but mm. um, it was Jasicki. And did you see how badly he whiffed the block because the play almost got blown up because Jasicki fell off his block? And do you know who who came in and and kind of sealed the the defensive end off to allow Albert Wilson the chance to throw? I do, but give it, was, it to me anyway. It was Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> so Jasicki so Jasicki engages in the block and then totally falls off and almost like falls puts his hands on the floor because he's beaten so badly. And the guy's about to, you know, run in and crunch Albert and the the whole play gets blown up and there Tannehill just steps up and just does a great job of sort of just giving Wilson enough time to, to throw the ball. So Jasicki, you know, there's certainly he continues to be a work in progress in, in the you know, when it comes to blocking. That was a uh, that was not a pretty play. He would have enjoyed watching back in the film room this week, but yeah, it's uh, it's in the receiving game that we really need to see him step up. So, well, we got to go to break. But when we come back, we will preview the Miami Dolphins versus the New England Patriots playing a big game. Yes, we play those now here in Miami. But first, these words. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me. And just, just the style of play, and and really, it was, it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here. And, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in '86 when we're whipping Oklahoma, and just, you know, what I mean, just, just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a cane sting, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back. And like I said before we went to break, of course, we encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the network. But as I said before going to break the Miami Dolphins are playing the New England Patriots and if the Miami Dolphins win this game they will essentially be three and a half games up on the New England Patriots that's the very definition of a big game we play those now here in Miami but before we start breaking down this game I spoke to Slim Simon he says it's he says it's still there that he hasn't noticed it god what a dirtbag What a, f- I mean, what a fucking disgrace! Like the cat. Well, well maybe, or... maybe, maybe he's, he's hoping that it's just going to disintegrate, you know, with, with time. Why is he ignoring it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's just hoping that it'll get up and walk away one day. Doesn't it not smell though? <laughs> I think it's fossilized by this point. Yeah, that's true. My God, what a dirt bag! Some people actually live in their own shit. <laughs> it, it well, be. speaking speaking of living in your own shit, let's talk about New England Patriots. I can't help but be excited because if we win, what does it mean? Well, it means that we're validated, I think, and it means that we are to be taken seriously. And I think if we don't win, then I think it's a great opportunity for people to go, "Well, I've told you so." Who have you beaten, mm-hmm. really? You're beating a shitty Jets team, you're beating the Titans, and you're beating the Raiders. I mean, you're three and one, but when you had to step up and you know put the ball, put your balls on the table, you got them slapped away by by a fading New England team. Frankly, yeah. and really, you're not that good. You know, a New England team that's that's lost its last two games, one of which was against the Detroit Lions. So, I, I think I think it's a validation game for the Dolphins. I think what works in our favour is that we match up really, really well with them on offense in terms of their defense. They look so slow defensively, especially at the linebacker position. You know, Dante Hightower looks like he can't run anymore, which is a shame because he's a really good player, but he just looks to have gone. I think it's critical for Miami that Trey Flowers doesn't play. I think Flowers is one of the most underrated players, certainly in the AFC. I think um, he practiced, uh, though, and I, it, it's like looking up for him to play. Interesting. Patrick and Chung actually, well. I, would say, I would say just as critical for them is that Patrick Chung is, uh, yeah. is practicing and looking like he's going to play. Just about to say Chung as well. I think that they're, they're, they're two really important players for New England. Uh, almost, uh, almost, you know, alongside McCourty, I think they're the three most important players on the team now. Yeah. So, so defensively on the on that defensive side of the ball, I think getting Flowers back is is big. On the flip side, I think our defense, our um, offensive tackles have played superbly. They were two of my game balls this week. Are you fuckers to record me? But um, <laughs> um, I think James and, and especially Larry Tunsil have played really, really well. So they'll be critical in trying to give Ryan the time he needs to get the ball down the field. But um, uh, Chung, obviously, very important. A, a really good player. You know, just another under-the-radar player. 
Um, but I think I think ultimately to answer your question, it, it's about validation. I think. Well, it's weird. It's weird because in the national narrative uh, that Miami is a terrible team. I mean, that's how it started, and then they win against the uh, Titans, and then they um, they win. They beat the New York Jets, even though you know most people were predicting that they wouldn't. And they're they're two and zero, and it's like, eh, well, we weren't wrong, really. We weren't wrong yet because uh, they're only 2-0. and It's the beginning of the season. You know, they didn't really beat anybody. And and then they play the Oakland Raiders, and they go 3-0. and And the Oakland Raiders, again, that's a bad team. It's not, you know, what does that really mean? And But I think at this point, they're kind of looking at the fact that Miami is one of only three teams that are unbeaten, or that are 3-0. Three, three and they're starting to say, okay, well, maybe we got to take these guys a little bit more seriously, but we don't know that we're wrong yet. Go up and beat New England in New England, go 4-0. and and take a what is it like a three game lead on the division at that three and point? a half yeah three and a half game lead on the New England Patriots I'm, we'll see what the Jets and Bills do but um but yeah take that lead and then the conversation gets serious and at that point they're going to start searching for the most painless excuse they can find as to why they were all collectively wrong um so you know, that, I do think it's a game changer as far as uh, the perceptions of the Miami Dolphins if they go up there and get it uh, just like you Simon I think that um I think that that's what they're battling for I'll tell you what the what this game means I think we all th- all three of us agree the Dolphins are pretty good at home right yeah mm-hmm. can I get yeses yeah, yeah right okay you win this game you're well on your way to winning the division. What are one of the perks of winning your division in the NFL? Mm, home game. That's right. Home game and possibly a bye. Yeah. So if winning this game on Sunday means that you're possibly going to get a bye and at least a home game, then you're well on your way to playing in an AFC championship game. And if you look at the opponents, if you avoid Kansas City, and I think we all agree that Kansas City is really, really good. Yeah. And uh, Defensively, not, they're not very good at all. No, no. defensively, they're awful. <laughs> Defensively, yeah. they're an absolute shambles, frankly. Yes. But I don't yeah. want to face that offense because no, not I'm only is it good, it's, it's like tailor-made to beat us, I think. I tell you, there's an AFC team that we talked about earlier on, the Cincinnati Bengals, who I think are a very good team and who we mm. face in a week's time. But that brings me to the rest of my point, which is you got to feel pretty comfortable thinking that your chief competition is the Chiefs, of course. Mm. A Jacksonville team that is very incomplete – and with a quarterback that is not nearly half, half as good as yours, which I think is important in playoff games. And then you have who? You have a Steeler team that is imploding. And then you have a Bengal team that hasn't won a playoff game in 400 years with a coach that has never won a playoff game. So are you getting, are you getting the picture that I'm painting here? This game is kind of important. Yeah, well, particularly that home game. I mean, because they are a very strong home team. We've talked about it a lot. That Tannehill and Gaze together, they score an average of 28 points uh, a game at home. And, yeah. uh, and they, have a, they have a tremendous home record. I think, uh, I think what is it now? It's got to be like 7-1 uh, or 8-1 uh, with Gaze and Tannehill together. Uh, it's a very, it's very strong home record. So, as you say, if you get that home playoff game, that's your ticket. That's your ticket to uh, to actually go a little bit further because uh, this is a legit home team under Adam Gase, unlike, you know, some sometimes in the past. Can I play devil's advocate here and say, do you feel like we're jumping ahead a little bit given it's only week four? You know, and I know we're excited and I know we you know, it's not, it's been a while, but I, I, I think I'm just trying to, te- I'm just trying to temper expectation a little bit. I no, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying and why. And I, you know, to some extent I agree with you because, uh, 
you know, and I'm going to be releasing a, um, a preview of the game Dolphins Maven. Uh, so you can look for it there or, and I'll link you on Twitter and everything. It'll already be there by the time you're listening to this dear listener. Um, so if you, uh, if, if you look at it, what I mentioned in there and what I talk a lot about is the defensive weaknesses that we saw a year ago. Um, the ones that I've described in the off season a lot and some, some really important ones, they're still there for the most part. Um, they're still really, you know, present. I mean, Miami is still poor in defending the run uh, out of nickel. They're still poor in defending the pass out of base. And most important, probably most important of all, they're still really poor on third and long. Uh, they're, they're 31st in the league on third and long. And so the Patriots right now aren't, um, aren't where they usually are in converting third downs. And so facing the Miami defense is, is a nice recipe to start getting that turned around. Uh, and and we talk. Do you boys about, think that Josh Gordon will play? I do, I do. I think Josh. Gordon I, I will think play. he'll play, but I think he'll be limited. I don't think that they're going to throw the full playbook his way. I think I think he could be limited uh, in what they expect him to do in the passing game, but I think that he's going to play a really important role in the run game. I think that he's going mm-hmm. to he's going to be running deep routes. He's going to be pulling the defense back and keeping the safeties honest. And that's, that's what – so what they've noticed, what, um, if you see what Sonny Michel has done in the two games that he's played, for about six quarters or about a game and a half, the Patriots were just, you know, stupid as hell, okay? They were, they were running Sonny Michel uh, purely out of the eye formation, a bunch of power stuff, lead uh, with uh, lead, lead plays, and, um, and they, they relied on the fact that he, he actually had some success with those in college at Georgia. Well, this isn't college. This is the NFL. And in the NFL, when you're running against base defenses, the average gain is about 3.6 yards per carry. It's, it's terrible. Base defenses are winning. Uh, when you, somebody brings out the 4-3 or the 3-4 against, against your, um, your two wide receiver personnel, you know, you're not going to run against them, generally speaking. And the Patriots for six quarters – really tried to do that and they banged their head against the wall. What you notice in the second half of the Detroit game is they, they went away from that. They went to single back sets and they even, you know, went to three wide receiver and, and spread the team, the defense out and tried to run that way. And all of a sudden, Sonny Michelle starts looking a lot better uh, in, in the second half of that game, but it didn't matter because the scoreboard started to go away from them. So the scoreboard goes away from them. So they couldn't really capitalize on it that way. In Miami, or against Miami, they'll be at home. They're going to start doing that from the start. And guess what? Miami sucks at defending it. So, uh, so that's, the real, that's the real test of Miami right now. And when you get Josh Gordon on the field, you know, in addition to that approach, running deep and keeping the safeties from being really aggressive against the run, that's when you could see Sony Michelle have his breakout all of a sudden. You're like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's a rookie. He sucks. He's not doing anything. Why are you trying to build an offense around him? And then all of a sudden against Miami, he has 125 yards. I mean, that's what, that's what could really happen. And so that's where I think Josh Gordon could play a pretty big role uh, and, and had nothing to do with catching balls or actually making sure that he's on the same page with Tom Brady. It'll be exciting, won't it? I mean, it, it, it feels like a massive game, even this early in the season. And mm. it's because it's the Patriots. It, it is. It's it is it's massive. It's because of what they stand for. It's because of Belichick. It's because of Brady. It's because we know how good they are. Let me come at this from the optimist's point of view. Mm-hmm. I've watched the Patriots play every single game this year. And I'll go to, I'll go to you first, Simon. What do they do well? <laughs> well, 
I mean, they've got Tom Brady. Let, 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 me ask you, let me ask you again. If this were not – if they weren't wearing those uniforms and Bill Belichick was standing on that sideline and that quarterback you didn't know was Tom Brady and that was just some generic football team, mm-hmm. what would you think of them so far this year? Well, I mean, so far this year, you just – they'd be like any other team. But for the last – you know, listen, they're a, ski, they're, they're a dynasty, obviously. They yeah. could – you could argue that they're the greatest dynasty of all time. But I'll tell you what they are more than anything is they are the greatest schematic dynasty of all time. Mm-hmm. And the NFL right. is all about schemes. We know that, uh, you know, and uh, Kurt Warner had, there was a very interesting piece the other day about how Jared Goff was a system quarterback, a scheme quarterback. Uh, and Kurt Warner was like, look, every single quarterback that's ever played the game is a system quarterback. You build the system and the scheme to fit that quarterback. Tom Brady is a system quarterback. I mean, that's, that's just a, a fact mm. of life. He is. They've been getting by on schematics for the last couple of seasons, but they've also been getting by on something else, which yeah. is uh, partly an aura, partly a will to win, partly a knowledge of how to win. They are the New England Patriots. They have that signage on their helmet. They have number 12 on the sideline, and they have the head coach there with the, with the hoodie on. And everybody knows about that, and that counts for something. If it was just, you know, if... If it was Josh McDaniels as head coach and Brian Hoyer at quarterback, then the aura is not as much as it was. But the very nature of the fact that they've been in seven, eight Super Bowls and won five of them means that you can't ever look at them as anything other than what they are, which is a a dynastic team, but built on incredible scheme. But they have been getting by, like I said, on scheme, because more and more of those players that they've won Super Bowls with have drifted away and they haven't been able to replenish them either because they've been picking later in the first round, they've made bad picks, their free agent picks haven't been particularly well, they've got a lot of money tied up in certain areas, notably 12, notably 87, notably 54, notably 30, those kind of, you know, those sorts of guys, Harmon and Gronkowski, uh, players like that. And also time is undefeated. You know, Tom Brady is 42 years old. You know, they are, time is, you, you can't outrun time. And all good things, in inverted commas, come to an end. And I think that's, you know, but you can't overlook the fact that that's what they are. They are the New England Patriots and with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And that stands for something. And you walk out onto that field in Foxborough and you know that you're not just facing an ordinary team. You're facing those two guys. That counts for something. I think uh, to, to flesh that out a little bit, um, you know, what they excel at is changing themselves to in order to, to take advantage of mm. what is or is not working as the season goes on and as the game goes on and, uh, and, and against your defense. And that's what, I'm, that's what I was getting at just now. Miami sucks at defending the run uh, with their nickel on the field. Well, guess what we're going to see this Sunday? We're going to see them trying to run the ball on our nickel defense with Sony Michelle. That's what they excel at. That's what they're good at. Uh, now, from a you know just a, a pure detail standpoint, one thing they are good at actually is passing the ball, and they're pretty good at it. Is passing the ball out of eleven personnel, you know, against those that that nickel approach. Now, Miami de- Miami's defense is also pretty good at defending that, so we'll see. That's a little bit of strength on strength, but um, but they are good at it. The problem for them is that they've been stuck last year and this year on on using a lot of 20, two running back like 21 personnel they use fullback James Devlin quite a bit and um, and they're trying to make it work and it's worked in the past it's not working this year 
the offensive I don't know if this is an offensive line thing I'm not going to blame it on Devlin or something like that I think it's um it's just not working it's clear that it's not working so what they're good at now they've got who do they get they got Josh Gordon so they and they'll be getting Julian Edelman back pretty soon so what they're good at is is morphing and adapting and what they're going to do this weekend is morph and adapt and take advantage of what we're not so good at. Uh, and that's that's what I expect out of them. The other thing that they're good on, on defense, they do the same thing on defense. They are the best in the league probably at using uh, down, distance, scoreboard, and field position as a 12th defender. And that's what they do. They, they call uh, nickel personnel where other teams would call a base personnel. Why? Because they know that you're not going to run it or that the run isn't that much of a threat to them. They'll call dime defense, you know, six defensive backs, where other people would keep, specifically Miami, would keep their nickel on the field. Why? Because it's third and seven or third and eight, and they know that the, you're not going to run the ball or that the run, the run threat is not that credible. So they'd rather have extra speed and extra, you know, coverage chops on the field. That's what they do. And this is, this is why their defense always has the look that it does of allowing a lot of yardage and their yardage rankings never being very good, but then their points rankings being really good because they're excellent on third down and they're excellent in the red zone. When you get into hard situations where all of a sudden the situate or the, the down and distance or the, the position on the field and the spacing starts working in their favor then those, um, you know, those play calls that they make, those personnel groupings, that uh, decisions that they make start working out better and they get you off the field without scoring a touchdown, without converting on third. Last year, they were one of the best defenses in the league on third down. This year, they're not there yet. But, you know, I think that situationally, they're going to get it under control. They're still one of the best. De- they are one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL right now. They're still top 10. Um, and so they don't allow touchdowns from the red zone. That's another, you know, thing that they're actually good at. So we're just going to have to see if we can overcome it. I have some doubts about whether we can overcome it on the road because Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill haven't shown that they can lead a good offense and a consistent team on the road yet. But this is their chance to do it. This is, this is their chance to start proving it. It's, it's happened to every great quarterback in the NFL – and trust me, it will happen to this guy, too. Usually, uh, the trajectory of a quarterback's career is more like a cliff instead of a mountain. Like, you don't see a high and then a gradual fade into oblivion. No, it's a cliff. You reach your peak, you slow down a little bit, and you fall right off of it. Who knows if maybe that's what we're watching with Tom Brady. But it's all up to our defensive ends. They're going to be going up against Trent Brown and... Marcus Cannon, and I don't put neither one of those guys in my top 10 list as far as tackles. So Robert Quinn, Cam Wright, get to the quarterback. Cannon's a really good player. He can be, but he's not this year yet. No, he's not this year. Last year he was was pretty much borderline elite. I mean, he was a second team all pro. I think he's... um, I think think Cameron Wake's going to have a good day against him. Yeah, I think... I think if he can bounce back to last season's form, I, I just think it's, it's. I just don't feel like we should be necessarily dismissive of, you know, they're still the Patriots. That's all I'm saying. And I don't think we should be dismissive of that left tackle either. I think that left no, tackle, Trent, particularly, I, I Trent, agree. He's he's very good in pass protection, and that's. I, I mean, in in classic pass protection against speed rushers because he's got this like massive frame 
uh, that he that he's able to use. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's I think we should watch out if we think that Robert Quinn is going to take over the game. Now, Cameron Wake, I think, has an excellent chance of taking over the game and and hope. I mean, they'll need him. They'll need him to do that. This is this is why you're a good player, because you've got to take over in games like this. So um, we'll see if it happens. Yeah, let's not forget that Trent, Trent Brown is their second choice at left tackle because mm -hmm. their first choice is out for the year. But right. let me take you guys through some of the matchups. When you say New England Patriots, of course, you think about Bill Belichick and you think about Tom Brady. But the third name you think about is Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. We just finished seeing the Detroit Lions take him completely out of the game. Well, first of all, let me ask you, Simon, can we take him out of the game? And if we are going to take him out of the game, who is responsible for taking him out of the game this week? I think the reason that you can take him out of the game is because they're not multifaceted at receiver now. Mm. You know, Philip Dorsett, Cordero Patterson, Matthew Slater, Chris Hogan don't particularly frighten anybody. Josh Gordon obviously is a different possibility, mm. but there is an injury there. So it's not like you're lining up with an Edelman and an Amendola who need, you know, you need an Xavier Howard and you need a, you need guys, you need role coverages across to cover these guys. It's, that's not the way it has been. So therefore, it's much more difficult for Gronkowski to get open. Look, against the Jaguars, Jalen Ramsey played in pretty much man-to-man -man and they rolled Barry Church over him behind him just to make sure. But they can do that because you're not worried about Philip Dorsett and you're not worried about Cordero Patterson because by the very nature of the fact that they're kind of you know number three guys. So, you know, in terms of shutting him down, that, that's that's why it's been easier. That's why he's gotten off to a slower start this season than you'd imagine. In terms of whose responsibility that is, I don't know. You know, would you risk putting Xavier Howard on him? Would you, you know, in uh, man I coverage? I, I think it's unlikely, but, uh, you know, you might. I suspect that Minka Fitzpatrick will also be asked to, to play against him. I think it's time to I see what the rookie's about. I think I think so too, and I think this is the biggest test for him, and that's why I think more so than anything, that's why you hope that Rashad Jones is probably back, so that mm -hmm. you can just say to Minka, you know what, you, you know, go out there and earn your chops, my friend, because this is this is what the NFL is all about, and I think um, I think you'd see a fascinating a fascinating matchup, but um, that that to me would be where I mean I say Howard only because and I've just seen some very interesting statistics about him. Since week 12 of last season, the nine games subsequent, he's allowed 13 receptions, just 13 receptions for 43 yards, no, no touchdowns, and he's intercepted seven passes, which is, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's elite status. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not, so that's 32%. It's beyond elite. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's like another level for that. I mean, that's, exactly. that's that is absurd. You Isn't know what that it? sounds it's like to me? It's obscene. Yeah. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds yeah. like 90 million five years to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pay the man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Now, very quickly, we all know what we think of Sony Michelle. We're all, all three of us are fans. And if you want to hear about what we thought about him, go, you know, download one of our draft episodes. But if there's one player on their offense that we haven't spoken about, I wouldn't say fear, but that you have some concerns about. Who is it? Uh, I would say, actually, you know, at, at some point in the game, it's going to, there's going to be a deep ball um, against, or not against, but uh, to Chris Hogan or Josh Gordon or both. Tom Brady's either going to hit it or he's not going to hit it. His past history suggests that he doesn't always hit it. He's not, he's not actually all that accurate on these but then again it seems like it comes down when it needs to um or at least uh you know that's our perception because we're dolphins fans and we never have good things um so <laughs> you, 
that it's going to come down to that. I think, and, and that could not just be Josh Gordon. That could also be Chris Hogan. So we we'll see whether there there could be a bit of luck involved there. I think okay. James White would be the guy that concerns me. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's a sort of nifty little annoying little twat who'll catch passes on third down. That <laughs> Raekwon, just Raekwon's got to shape up. That will yes, just frustrate the shit out of us, especially if you, especially if Minka is on on Gronkowski, because that, mm-hmm. I mean, that this to me feels like a James White game mm-hmm. in terms of getting matched up on either on Raekwon or on Kiko, who's been excellent, but you know, we know what he does really well, and we know what he doesn't do particularly well, and you know, schematically, if you're Josh McDaniels, I'm looking at James White and thinking, hmm, I could make hay here, especially if that vaunted secondary are kind of going to be, you know looking after Gronkowski and potentially X is going to be looking after Josh Gordon. Well, I tell you what, we've got somebody who can work underneath that can do you some serious damage. And James White is that guy, a very underrated talent. So boys, it's time for some predictions. We've been pretty, pretty accurate. Um, pretty homerish, I suppose, but we're three and zero, so fuck it. Um, so this is a big one. This is where we put our money where our mouth is because I know we're all concerned. I know we're all excited. Who you got, Chris? Who do you think, and give us a score in terms of winner and a score prediction, please, for Sunday. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say, and um, you know, I hate to do it, but I'm gonna pick New England to win the game. And I believe what I've got is uh, is a 27-17 outcome. Uh, Miami having a lot of problems getting it going on offense on the road, as they've done in the past, and uh, New England really sparking their offense, probably with Sony Michelle running out of 11 personnel and with, you know, a big play somewhere to Josh Gordon uh, or, or Chris Hogan. Alf? Well, I'm going to go really, really specific with my prediction. Uh, I have the score 27 to 24 New England with about one minute left, and the Dolphins will have the ball at the one-yard line with all their timeouts getting ready to win the game and either the headsets will go out or Roger Goodell will run down to the field and suspend the game, and we lose. 27, he hates the Patriots. Why would he do that? I'm going to go, um, go 34-24 in favor of New England. Uh, I think that I'd like to think that we're ready for this game, but I just think the aura of it being New England is that big, and I still don't think they're quite ready to be to have the head chopped off quite yet. So if this was game was in Miami, I think I'd be mm. tipping the Dolphins to win. I just think home field advantage, they're an angry one and two. They can't afford to let us go out, you know, that far ahead. They're getting key players back. It looks like Chung and especially Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm. I just think they have the edge. And I, I think it's as much mental as it is physical, but I'm, I'm going 34-24 New England. It's kind of what I'm thinking. All right, Simon, before you take us home, uh, very quickly, both of you, will the headsets go out on us this week? No, <laughs> no I don't. I don't see any. I, I know you're gonna say you're gonna laugh, but I don't see any shenanigans this weekend. I just, uh, I think it's just gonna famous go last words, straight up football. <laughs> right, we shall be back on Monday night, Tuesday morning, with our recap. Uh, hopefully, these fuckers will allow me to actually be on the show this time. Um, Not a chance. Otherwise, I'm just gonna start my own podcast called One Yard Per Carry. <laughs> Um, some fuck all of you and you'll be down to two yards for carry so I'll be catching up with you um, so we shall be back with two episodes um, 
Monday night slash Tuesday morning and Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, game review, game preview. Don't forget to check out all the writings, notably Chris doing Chris is doing on Dolphins Maven, but also with great work from people like Harvey Fialkoff, um, Craig Davis. Nobody over in America will get that link, but people who listen to it from the UK will understand that joke and laugh. Um, and all the other guys, Ethan, Chris, etc. Don't forget Bullscast, Miami Heat Beat, to follow the Jimmy Butler news. Is that his name, Jimmy Butler? Look at mm. me pulling basketball players out of my my out of the air um and all the other seventy two thousand nine hundred and forty one <laughs> podcasts we've even employed a photographer now so anyway enjoy enjoy the game we could be four and oh which would be delightful we shall see you next week goodbye thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider <laughs>